Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Paul Hamilton's appearance brought to you by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. Jeremy and Joe on a Friday. TGIF. Happy Friday. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you? We're all right. You know, cruising, hanging out, talking sports and stuff. We're not any different than any other of these talking, uh, mornings. Talking after, uh, video games, Paul. The college football game has been confirmed to coming out and, you know, going back to the day, early days of NHL 94 and all that stuff and... I don't know. We kicked that around for a little while, but, you know, the usual. Will that help you scout your wide receivers? Yeah. These games? Hey, listen. You, I you, formulated you, way too many opinions growing up on players because of what they were in the video that's game. That's right. College football. Right. How good is this receiver? How good is this quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, it made me believe in Tim Couch coming out in the draft because I played with Kentucky a lot. Anyway, Paul, one thing about the Sabres that's kind of, uh, you want to say, noteworthy or interesting is in the last two weeks – they have set franchise records for most shots on goal while scoring one goal and most shots on goal while getting shut out. Both of those happened in the last two weeks, Dallas and then last night against Florida. So it's uh, it's a little stretch here where they're getting shots, but the question comes down to, are they getting good shots? No, they're not. Uh, some of them really are just the same as turnovers. I mean, if you're just coming down the wing – there's nobody going to the net, and you just rip a shot, and it's stopped, and and then the other team gets the puck, and off they go. You know, so it's it's almost like the same thing as a turnover. And here you are, you're just finishing a stretch of 13 games, 10 of them at home. You went two and one on the road, and four and six at home, and in five of those home games, the Sabres scored one goal or less. Five. You know, so what we watched last night is basically the rule, not the exception. Yeah. You know, as far as home games here with the Buffalo Sabres and what they what they basically do with them. It is wild. After last year, scoring goals like crazy. They scored all the time last year. And it's one of the reasons I think fans kind of got back in and started having fun and the arena came alive. And now... We know when they when they fall behind they don't win. They're six twenty three and three when they get scored on first. And as you pointed out, they're not scoring a lot at home. And 
the 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 commentary after the game from players seems to be a lot of the same each and every time, right? It's about getting to the net or uh, last night Tuck might have said something that, that Cousins had said earlier in the year. They need to play with a little bit more bleep you. It seems like mm-hmm. the entire, almost to a man, a lot of the players are suggesting that they need to find a way to play with more edge, and yet that's just not coming. It's not coming. You also need your best players to be your best players, and on most nights they aren't. Uh, you know, where's Skinner been? Where's Thompson been recently? I mean, uh, just you're you're getting you're getting nothing out of all out of your except against Los Angeles. I mean, Los Angeles turns out to be the exception, not the rule. And you know that's, and that's the game that you can hang your hat on and say you did a, most of the things that you need to do. You were hard on pucks. You caused turnovers because of it. You got people and pucks to the net, and you wind up scoring seven goals because of it. But you know that's not what they did against Stellars last night. Uh, you know there there were weren't enough people to the net when the pucks were going to the net and he he left them some rebounds at times but they weren't there and and against a team like Florida when mm-hmm. you get some early opportunities to take the lead you can't not score i mean the, the benson was wide open Paterka set up benson he put out a really nice move to the backhand he had Stellar's beaten all you had to do is flip it over him, and it's one nothing Buffalo. And it, it seemed like all of a sudden he started dribbling with the puck, and it just kind of slid off his stick, and he wound up hitting the side of the net with it. Well, there there was your chance right there to take the lead. You had him. You had him beat, and you didn't do that. And right before that, um, Clifton came down the slot free, and Stellars made the save on that one. So you had two glorious opportunities early to get that one nothing lead but instead you know florida winds up with the lead before the period's over verhage gets the goal now the sabers thought barkov should have gone to the penalty box when he stole the puck from ryan johnson they thought he hooked him up uh, up near his hands on his stick and that's why he got the turnover but uh, that's not what happened and they wound up uh, you know falling behind one nothing and then a goal where I thought it could have been goaltender interference, but the Sabres felt. And, you know, I will say there the people they have in charge of that have a pretty good idea. They've been pretty successful in challenges. Uh, they basically told Don Granado, we've seen other plays similar to this, and they don't get ter- overturned. So they decided not to try to get that goal overturned. That made it 2 nothing. Well, once you get behind 2 nothing to the Florida Panthers, good luck. You probably aren't coming back. You're not. You're probably not getting three on them. Yeah. And especially when you're the Buffalo Sabers, the way you're playing now. So that basically in the second period, that second goal in my mind, that's what put it away. Yeah. And on the is some is last night like maybe a night, Paul, to think about the difference in maturity between the two teams. The Sabers are still the youngest team in hockey, and Florida's super talented. I mean, top to bottom, but. I mean, that team, I mean, they went to the finals, and if you look at their age at this point with the experience they have, um, and even their size if you want, like, I, can you see the difference in maturity between the two teams? Oh, absolutely can. They're just the way they play. they No matter what happens, there's not any panic, and they have, you know, in the beginning of the game, and they do. I've seen this, them do this so many times. They, they're more interested in hitting your defensemen and just um, – 
you know, making a being difficult to play against, and that's the way they want to start because by the third period, they want Ryan Johnson looking over his shoulder to see what's coming. They want uh, Henry Yokihari to be looking over his shoulder to see what's coming, and you know, so it's it's really a you know a plan that they have is let's soften up the the team and then let's let's start you know really kicking it in then as far as playing hockey and they certainly have a lot of good players that play hockey very well but you know look at the types of goals they score i mean you got you're hired in on the four check you get a turnover and you score you get another one on a uh, delayed penalty where you got a guy basically sitting in the goaltender's lap who tips the puck in um on the power play goal at the end rebound score uh you know and, and you all you all were at the net as the puck went there and uh you know, the the Sabres, as I said, there were plenty of rebounds that Stellars had left there, but there was just no Sabre there to take advantage of for the most part. I mean, there were a couple where he had to make a power play. He had to make a great save. He made the first save on Darlene, and actually Oposo was there screening him, and then he jumped right on the rebound and he made a great save on the rebound. So, I mean, there there was an example where he did make great saves, uh, you know, when the Sabres were on the power. He made another one on Thompson on another power play that looked like it was headed to it into the net, and he somehow got a glove on it. So he did make some good saves along the way, too. And, you know, this is a goaltender that has good numbers. I mean, don't sit there and say, well, they, they lost to another backup goaltender. Yeah, that's true, but his numbers are actually better than the starter, and they both have excellent numbers. Paul Hamilton joining us. Paul, when Barkoff made that play to strip Ryan Johnson and set up Verhege early, I, I was reminded of something I saw this week about the Sabres, which is that they are, in the NHL, the team that generates the fewest shots off of forechecking. Like, how many shots do you get off a cycle where you win, win the puck battle and win a forecheck? And the Sabres are last in the NHL in that department. I think that's what they talk about when they say, you know, they they're not, you know, hard enough for getting in there, or uh, they 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 didn't play hard enough, or you know, all, all the different words that they use that, uh, yeah. you, you know, they didn't compete hard enough. There's there, there's your compete right there. The Panthers are number one. The Sabers are number thirty-two. I mean, is that compete? Is that some system? I mean, are they not are they not going in for that as much as other teams do? No, they, they. He wants them in there for checking. I mean, that's that's part of what. That's why were they so good against Los Angeles? Because they did get in there and for check and cause turnovers. And uh, but mm-hmm. they were first in on pucks. They were they made it difficult on the Kings. The Kings were uh oh, and they would try to try to make a stupid play, and and the Sabers would wind up with a turnover and wind up getting with a great scoring opportunity. That a lot came off the four check. Because they were in on it, and uh, they were winning battles, and and uh, you know competing hard throughout the whole game. Tuck, Tuck by the way, Paul, like, kind of said this yesterday, right? Like he said that they should need to be playing with more, like he even said, "fu" mentality. Um, and he's someone that, like, I don't know if he's the guy to question for that. He hounds people on the forecheck um, because of his speed and his length. And his physicality too, so I don't I don't know want to make it about Tuck, but he's someone that would know how to play like that, right? Like he's gone to the finals on on the Golden Knights, so I mean he's got to know what it looks like, and he clearly doesn't think that they're getting it. 
they're not getting it. And it's it's when I say this team is flawed, that's one of the things that it's flawed with. I mean, they don't they don't exter- install fear on a nightly basis on the other team, where the other team goes, ah, oh, this is going to be a hard night. You know, they're going to be up on us. They're going to be difficult to play against. In the NHL, you have to be difficult to play against, and most nights they're not. They were against Los Angeles, but that's not the rule. That was the exception. And they're just not enough nights where they are hard to play against. And, uh, you know, I'll say it again. And their best players, most nights aren't their best players. And you're, you're, you're saying to yourself, we're so-and-so, we're so-and-so, we're so-and-so. And there's not enough nights where you're saying, boy, the, their best players were great tonight. And that's why you lose when your best players aren't producing that's why you lose. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline. Is there, Paul, when you see reports or tweets or whatever, like once in a while, like last night this was Kevin Weeks. Kevin Weeks tweeted about like Rasmus Anderson is getting calls in Calgary. Is there an idea, even if it's a specific player or a type of idea, that you've seen out there that you've gone, oh, yeah, that kind of that's, that's the type of move that the Sabres need to be in on or should be looking to make? They need to be in on it getting like a full line that is difficult to play against. And I always use the Sezekis line of the Islanders as the example of guys that the other team shows up and go, we don't want to play against that line. That line is is going to make things difficult. And they also contribute to the scoring. You know, it's not like they all have one goal each. You know, they contribute to the scoring. And they need a full line of players like that where the other team knows they're going to be in a battle all night long. And uh, you, you could say they got one of those guys maybe in Greenway, but uh, they, they need a couple of more and a line you can put out there. And, and, and you know, look at what Tampa Bay, they didn't have a line like that. Uh, they, had, they had the talent, but they wound up getting swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And they realized, you know what, we're, we're – this team isn't quite built correctly, and they, they kept their talent, but they, they got a complete line like that where, you know, the other team was like, oh, geez, I want I got to play against uh, Maroon or I got to play against whoever the other one was that, that was on that line, and, and, you know, all of a sudden they win two Stanley Cups. They just they needed to supplement the talent that they had with a line that is, is, is a type of line that the other team dreads playing. And, you know, they, that they can go out there and change a game that way. And, and, you know, the Sabres just don't have anybody like that that can help them change a game or that would put fear into the other team. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline. Thank you, Paul. Tomorrow, 5 p.m. for Minnesota, huh? A little afternoon yes, action? Yes, we'll be on the air at 4. Um, and uh, it's a 5 p.m. face-off in Minnesota. And Derek Kramer will be hosting that game. So, uh well, good to have right. Derek along. Very good. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Paul's appearance brought to you by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. NHL standings brought to you by Native Pride. Tall Chief Cigars. Stand tall with Native Pride. The Sabres, uh, long way back, as you might already know. Ten points out of a playoff spot behind the Detroit Red Wings. Ten points. Yep. Five o'clock on Saturday and then 12.30 on Monday. A little afternoon Monday game for uh, President's Day. Against Anaheim. President's Day, huh? That's Monday. What time's the game? 12.30. On Monday? 12.30 on Monday. Home game. Yep. Hmm. All right. 
Extra point shows the pregame show. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. There was another rumor, by the way, that the Flyers are on Peyton Krebs. There's been a lot of rumors. You know, with Krebs, there's a little bit of a movement on Krebs. Why don't you just put him up on the top line? I, yes. Why don't you just see what he can do? What's happening on your season at any point from here on forward? So find out, before you trade Krebs away... You know, you've buried him on the fourth line for years, and he's he hasn't really complained that we know of. No, he's, what, he's maybe even embraced it, right? What, like what, he's tur- he's he changed his game around from what he was supposed to be when he was drafted. He wasn't supposed to be, you know, fourth line center, defensive specialist. He was supposed to be skilled playmaker guy. Right. When they traded for him, it was one of the best passers in all of hockey's prospect systems. Like. Yeah. Krebs is an elite passer. He had like two passes last night, by the way, that were like two of their better chances. Where like he comp- he toe dragged a guy, came into the blue line, and then set up. I think it maybe was Olafson for a one timer, which you would think would be the guy you'd want for that. And then like the very next play, got in behind the net and set up Darlene open in the slot. Like he had two plays like that last night. You know, one thing about it that I wonder if I don't know that the Sabers have like sacred cows, but if you were to put him on a top line center, that means you're dropping down Tage or Cousins. Right. Or, or middle stat. Or middle stat. Middle well, those stat. three. Those three have blocked him completely. Right. And what I'm saying is, if you were to throw Krebs in there just to see what he can do, yeah. you are. When, what I'm ultimately getting to is when you move Thompson to center, it was, let's try something. And now that Thompson makes $7 million a year, yeah. you can't exactly get him out of that spot. And same with Cousins. They're both on big money extensions now. They're, they're both, we got to get our top guys going as opposed to just... You yep. know what? Let's drop him down and throw Krebs up there and give Peyton Krebs the next th- two weeks, three weeks I mean, as a top-line center. Because yeah, if he played well, what could you even do? That's You wouldn't know, too, because I'm looking right now. In the three years he's been a Buffalo Sabre, here are his minutes played with different line mates. He's played at 5-on-5, five five, 1,000 minutes with Kyle Poso. That's number one. He's played 728 minutes with Zemgus Girgensons. That's number two. Big drop. 540 minutes with Victor Olofsson. Then another big drop, you get into 300 minutes with Dylan Cousins. So he's played, by far, the most minutes during his Sabre career with Kyle Poso, Zemgus Girgensons, and then Victor Olofsson. Yeah. Those are the three guys we continue to say should not be here, <laughs> and they are the three guys that he's had to play with for three years. You wouldn't know what it looks like because... Like, where's Jeff Skinner on this list? 100 minutes. Where is Alex Tuck on this list? 200 minutes. Where's Paterka? 200. Where's Tage? 100. Like, he just... The top scorers on the team, he, he's played He's played like three games with. In three seasons. Yeah. So, I saw that rumor yesterday, and I tweeted this out because my original thought was, or immediate thought was, great, they're going to trade him to Philadelphia, they're going to put him on the second line, and he's going to put up 60 points. And we're all going to go, how come he couldn't do that here? Well, because you put him with Kyle Lacposo and Zemgus Gierkinsons for three seasons. What did you expect him to do? But you got to move someone to the wing, or you got to try something, because th- this this kind of gets to the point of, what do, what do people think is going to happen when Matthew Savoy shows up? Or when Isaac Roseanne shows up? Or when Noah Oslin shows up? Or Yuri Kulik? All of these guys... You're watching it right now with Peyton Krebs. You have this talent in your organization, and there's nowhere for them to play. So they're going to show up, and they're going to play on the fourth line, and then this is going to happen. 
Three years are going to go by. Oh, he's not putting up points. I guess we'll trade him to Philadelphia for, for nothing. And then, oh, look, look at all that talent over there. You're never going to see the numbers. You're never going to see the production if you just let all this cook and show up at the same time because you don't have spots. That guy was the number one prospect in Vegas' organization. And he can't get above the fourth line because there's too many spots that are already occupied on this roster. They need to clear room because if they don't clear room, what's happened with Krebs for the last three years is going to happen to all those other forward prospects. Krebs since showing up, how many points does he have with the Sabres in his career? He's got, because when they, when they make the Eichel trade, he has 58 points in three seasons. 58 points in three seasons. Yeah, this year he's got 10 points in 51 games. 10 points. When they make the Eichel trade, it's Tuck, okay, he's good. They're, like you said, their number one prospect, if you'd been told the day they make the Eichel trade, mm-hmm. this is a fourth liner. You'd, he you'd he been, was talked about he was a sticking point in right. those negotiations because right. they wanted to make sure he was in the deal. And you'd be significantly disappointed. Again, he got blocked out by the emergence of guys like Tage and Cousins. We know, But Krebs is it's, – it's funny. Like, he's so forgotten in this prospect pool as you lay out all the prospects that are – in the AHL and not even yet there, like Savoy and Oastland. Here's Krebs, who's been with the Sabres as a prime asset prospect, and just, he's blocked too. It's kind of amazing that they've blocked themselves so much with the same kind of player. Yeah. So many of them. And again, it will it will just happen. And this is where, like, should they trade Middlestat? If you don't trade Middlestat, let's say you trade Krebs instead. You trade Krebs instead of Middlestad. We're going to pay Middlestad. We're going to trade Krebs away. Okay, now Matthew Savoy shows up. Where's he go? He's going to be Peyton Krebs. You drafted him 10th overall, 9th overall, whatever it was, to be your fourth-line center. You prioritized getting Krebs in the Vegas trade well, Savoy's to gonna be play your the... fourth-line center. He's going to play on the wing, isn't he? Well, one of those guys is going to play center, aren't they? They're all technically centermen. Savoy, Kulik, and Osland. I mean, I guess you could move them all to the wing. But even that. How many winger spots are available? Yeah. We've talked about how Paterka, Quinn, Skinner, Tuck. Your top six is already is already set. Paul brings up like putting a whole new line in there. This is why they have to make trades. They have to make deals. Because there just isn't spots available for all of these guys. And now's the time where it's starting to happen. Krebs is still only 23, by the way. Like, if I'm a team, I'm, Philadelphia should be interested in him because he's probably not that expensive, and nobody has any reason to believe that this is all he is. Let me go put him with a 30-goal score, and what is he going to do? Are we really think he's not going to put up 50 points? 803-0550, Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Thanks for, uh, you know, coming along for the ride. It's a Friday. And uh, it's NBA All-Star Weekend, Genesis Invitational. Tiger had some birdies. All right. He did. Looked good out there. He also hit one of the worst shots I've ever seen in my life. Listen. But that, last, made, that made me feel a lot better about my game. Last week we had Tom Brady duffing one off the tee. It wasn't that bad. No. He just shanked one into the trees. But the difference between Tiger and us is he shanked it into the trees. And it was a pretty – he blocked it. It was pretty bad. The recovery shot was incredible. Yeah. So like, he oh, was well, like, he's, he's in trouble now. And then he punches one through a narrow gap, pin high. Between ten, two trees. Ten feet. It was like one of those things where you walk up to a ball and you go, oh, hey, look at that little gap right there. If I just shoot it right between there, how many times do you ever actually hit it through there? Like one out of every like 20 times. And Tiger just walked up and did it like he's done it a million times. 
Yeah, you line up for that shot, and your friends are hiding behind the cart. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm my head a tree. Watch out. Yep. Heads up, guys. I don't know what's going to happen here. And Tiger threaded it. 803-0550 to join us on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. I thought them getting the first goal was the big difference tonight. I thought we ended up having to chase the game a little bit. I think we tried to make, a, make it a point to try to get the first one, but obviously they were able to capitalize on a point-blank opportunity. And then from there, uh, our power play is still struggling. We just weren't able to capitalize on some opportunities. It's Alex Tuck. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Happy weekend. Getting closer to the combine. I got a wide receiver question for you. I know what you're thinking. You? Receiver? Me? You at home might be asking, how many different ways can you guys talk about wide receiver? And the answer is, there is no limit. I'm going to need to formulate opinion on a lot of these guys because I've got a fantasy draft tomorrow Ooh. where these guys are eligible. All right. I'll have to decide when I'm picking Malik Neighbors and whether a, I pick him over give you a sleeper. Who? We got a sleeper for you. Diggs. Marvin Harrison. <laughs> Junior, People seem mm. to think he's going to be good. Before we get to that, R- Rory in Buffalo. Hey, Rory. Hey, guys. You're up. You're up. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. So, so Krebs for 50? Where? With McDavid and Dreisaitl? <laughs> I mean, certainly not Philly. I, I remember when Middlestack came into the league, you guys kind of penned him if it would be a, a, a sad day or a happy day over under 50. He didn't score 50 for four or five years. Maybe got fifty six. I think he's at forty something now, so he's panning out. You, you know, you know, I meant points, right? Not goals. I just want to make sure that's clear, right? You, you know, I mean points too, right? Okay, all right. I just fifty points is not that much in today's NHL. No, it's not. And Middlestat didn't do it until last year. Yeah. So where's Krebs going to do that? I mean, not playing with Kyle Poso and Zemgus Jurgensons, right? But he has no trade value whatsoever, and a lot of these guys don't. And my problem is that we have a bunch of kids on the team playing against men who have been in the league and not even have been in the league who are just developed physically more. Uh, Krebs is the guy that you can deal. You're stuck with him, and he's you- really not an NHLer, and a lot of these guys are Clearly, I mean, but that's my whole point. Like, we, you don't know what he is because he's played with the worst teammates he could have possibly played yeah, with the, the general the, the general point was why don't you just try it and see what happens and see if you can get anything out of it even if that's if you want to trade him showcase him for a month show a team that like right. hey look at that they even done that he scored 10 points this month i mean i wouldn't make the case that it's likely he scores 50 middle set might have gotten to 50 sooner if he played a full season i mean if he centered 
But, right. For, for I mean, a middle, middle set was knocking on the door of a 40-point pace yep. back in 2021. But, like, again, 50 points. If he centered Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck for a full season, how many points would he have had last year? He would not have had t- Thompson season. I know that. Right. He might have had middle stats. He wouldn't have got 50 points. He wouldn't have got 60 points. He couldn't be a third-line center even on a team, a second-line center. Again, we don't know. It's like trying to predict what a first-round quarterback is when he hasn't played. I mean, how good is, you know, is there a first-round quarterback that didn't play last year? I don't no, think so. They almost always play now. Okay. Pretty quickly. 803 Speaking of first-round quarterbacks, I saw a mock draft yesterday that had Drake May going 13th. I have seen him not going that low. I've seen him third a lot more often oh, recently. Though. I saw him drop all the way to Minnesota, wherever, wherever Minnesota is. That's crazy. He's There was a headline yesterday that uh, on ESPN that he's falling. Okay. It's February. Nothing's really happening well, right now, what's but he's the, falling. What's, what's the reason he's going to fall? Because it is the time of year where... Well, nit, nit, we're, we're microanalyzing nitpicky not, not stuff. Not just that. I mean, May is plenty athletic, but he's not like the other guys. He's not like some of them. I was going to say, like, the third pick I can understand because what's going to happen in the next two months is Jaden Daniels is going to wow everybody. Yep. That's that's one. He, he, he could pass May. I don't know how he's getting down to 13, but... Right, like, I well, I can see Daniels passing him just because this is this is tool season. And that guy can do a bunch of crazy stuff. He won the Heisman because of it. And May might just be really good, and he's pretty athletic, but he's not going to be on the same level of that stuff as the as the other two. It is a year, by the way, where sometimes you don't have that many teams that need quarterbacks near the top. It's only like two of the top ten or two, you know, three of the top ten. This year, who could take a quarterback? Chicago, yes. Washington, yes. New England, yes. Arizona, yes. Chargers, no. Giants, yes. Titans, yes. Falcons, yes. Bears again, yes. Jets, probably no. Minnesota, yes. Denver, yes. Vegas, yes. New Orleans, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm at 14 right now. Mm-hmm. And every one of those could be in the mix. So, the wide receiver question I have for you. Yeah. Benjamin Solak of the Ringer posted a mock draft yesterday. You know how it works, Joe. Click. Scroll mm-hmm. twenty eight wide receiver. These mocks really should start at thirty two and then go down. At least <laughs> they how they're listed. They should just start at twenty eight for me. Yeah, you know, he had the Bills taking a wide receiver. He had Keon Coleman, wide receiver train member Keon Coleman. Okay, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a question about Keon Coleman. I wanted to ask in the context of having Josh Allen. What's the right type of receiver for the Bills to get for Allen? And the reason I ask that is this. What Benjamin Solak wrote was, you know, the, the knock on Coleman is maybe a little bit raw on his route running. This, this, a lot of the early stuff, he's not a great separator, but he's size and freakishly good catches, maybe a little boomer bust. If you want to make Gabe Davis or Traylon Burks or Quentin Johnston comparisons, whatever. There's, there's a physical nature to his game. And what Ben wrote was pairing him with Josh Allen he could become a star. And I started thinking about that like that sentence. What does Josh Allen need? Does Josh Allen need a guy that gets open right away and shakes and is Zay Flowers and is open fast? Diggs, of course, in his career has been great with this. Um, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is receiver-quarterback combos that worked great because of the style. Like, what's the style of Josh Allen? He is, for better or for worse, a quarterback that will occasionally 
pass up on the guy that's open right away to go down the field a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Is what I need in a receiver, and this is why the Bills should, of course, grab two. So the answer to this question could be both. But should I be looking somewhere for an off-schedule specialist? An off-schedule specialist. I don't want a contested catch guy because I'm going to build the whole offense out of contested catches. Right. But with Mahomes and Allen, I've got the two guys that scramble the most out of pressure. What I have with Allen right now is a cheat code where when he gets pressure, he's on the move. When he's on the move, he's dangerous. So what's the perfect receiver when that happens? Maybe he's not on the field all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a role to play. Davis down the field has been this. I mean, Davis's last couple touchdowns, one against the Dolphins, mm-hmm. one against the Rams, these were downfield throws when Allen's rolling out and a linebacker or whoever's asked to cover Davis for too long. Uh, Keon Coleman's not my favorite idea, but I'm trying to think about it in a way, all right, is there any reason that that would benefit Allen more than others? I tend to think maybe that's right. I tend to think about like off-schedule stuff as early in his career. Remember how many times he would roll out and John Brown would work his way all the way back to the football and the corner couldn't keep up with him? Because, I don't know, like shouldn't that be the way that things work? Shouldn't the the Tyreek Hills of the world be the guys that are the most dangerous when you lose the, those plays go out? Of, right, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's what he was in Kansas City. Yep. I know two, Miami isn't at the same level. But you turn, but, around, you turn around for one second. You have good coverage. And the Uh-oh. dude's gone. And he... He, so right, the play breaks down. I'm no longer covering a route. Now I'm just following him, and I don't know where he's going. Right. I don't know. I don't want to say you're wrong about like a Coleman type in those situations too, but I tend to think about those plays as I want the fastest guy I can get because you Allen's going to scramble around. Allen is going to create plays where your defensive back, because of Allen's scramble ability, your defensive back is going to have to hang with a receiver for seven seconds. Yeah. Where That's on our offenses, it's only three seconds. And I think the separators gain even more of an advantage when they get more time like that. Am I, am I, am I doing that right? Or am I... I don't know who has the who has the advantage there because if Coleman's problem is he doesn't get open quickly or isn't a great separator at all... Well, maybe when he gets seven seconds, now he's got now he's capable of doing that, right. and I've got the contested catch stuff. Right, on top you of you it. you of course want the receiver that does everything. That's the ideal, but you can't have three receivers that are perfect at everything. Shakir's in his role; and he's going to do what he does. You would yeah. expect Khalil Shakir to moss people. No, no. But do you want no? Right, like that's what I mean. Do you want to draft as one of your guys a guy that could moss people? Well, because if you have as the Bills, let's say you get a separator. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, a guy who doesn't separate well, he kind of has the same kind of game as Gabe Davis, which okay. I think there's a there's a role on this team for a Gabe Davis like guy. He he stretches the field, and he is a threat, no matter if there's one guy, two guys, because his yeah. physical he, presence, like Mike Williams, is a good sure, player, is a good player for that. sure because he does a lot down the field, but he's not like a he's not a guy that gets open. A physically imposing receiver. That you would just have to fear, like we've got to get, we can't put a small corner on there. We have to, we have to match up in such a way that we've got to get our biggest corner over there, no matter what, because it's such a physical freak. Like I wonder if there's a spot for that, because Coleman, you know, the knock on Coleman is doesn't separate, and that's going to scare me all the time on a receiver. But here's Benjamin Solak saying this pairing might work well, and it got me thinking about, you know, what the Bills might think of, and like, okay, 
there's the, there's our board of receivers, and then there's our board of receivers for Josh. And are they the same board? I'm not saying the answer is no, but it's something to think about. Well, let me ask you, because those are plays where Allen is buying time, buying time, buying time, no one's open. A ball's got to come out. And basically, you're throwing to the guy you think's most likely to come down with the football, even yeah. even if everyone's covered. Yeah. Don't they already have that in Dalton Kincaid? His most impressive plays this year, there was one in the Tampa game, there was one in the playoffs. Now, these were more plays down the sideline and maybe not as you know, much as you're thinking the Davis plays, like just way down the field, you're just chucking it up there. But Kincaid's best plays of the year were defenders draped all over him and he goes above him and comes down with it. He's not, it's a, I don't know if he's doing that down the field as much. Yeah. But I don't I, think he's deep enough. I feel plays. like if, if I've got everybody covered and I got to throw a jump ball, I feel like I've already got that guy. Don't I? I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't strike me as having that guy. I mean, he's Kincaid, good at it. Kincaid is here to be the separator. He's here to be the guy that's open right away, to but, be the matchup problem. But he also has insanely he's good got, hands and a hands. giant frame. And like, I feel like I'm, I'm getting a lot of that already from him. Even if his specialty or what he's best at is not that, I feel like he, last year he was the best player on the team in those situations. Certainly more than Diggs was. And it was because he is sure-handed and he's big. And I don't know. Like, Davis also has never really even been that player where he's going to moss you. Right? No. Like, he'll, 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 he did it one time to Minka Fitzpatrick, and he ripped the ball out of his hands right? against yes. the Steelers. But right, Davis yeah. was getting behind a defense more than he was jumping over a defender. I guess I don't know what a Keon Coleman would look like in this offense. That's, that's what, I, what I'm getting at. Like, he, yeah. he's, got, he's got traits to like. But he's not complete, and it'd be... When's the last time they had a player like him at all? I mean, Duke Williams was what people wanted, remember, that, uh, wanted that to be. Remember Justin Hunter? Okay. That was like for a minute. Kelvin Benjamin is what people... That's what they people wanted People wanted Kelvin be, Benjamin. He wasn't. They threw a fade to him in a playoff game, and it didn't go so well. 803 to join us if you want to be a part of it. Jeremy and Joe here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Be caller five at seven one six two two one four WGR to win a pair of tickets to see Dirks Bentley Darien Lake, July twentieth. Tickets are courtesy of Live Nation. Get a call in here before the break. Aaron in Attica. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, to you guys' points about you guys are talking about Kincaid and, and a separator in the in the in the draft and whatnot. You know, Kin, Kincaid. I'm a huge college guy, and uh, one of the things about Kincaid is you know he came out and ran a four seven one. I was a little worried about his ability to separate, but because Cam Rising would just throw the ball up to him in Utah and he'd come down and get it. And Josh, I think, started to understand that at the end of the year you can do that with him. But a guy that I like better than Keon Coleman down is uh, is Brendan Rice because you could get him a lot cheaper down further in the draft, most likely, and he works really well in coverage. And if you watch any USC football, he works really well with with all of um, uh, Williams' uh, uh, you know off schedule throws, just like just like Allen essentially. So he's a guy that might might want to think. Of. I, I don't like taking the idea of taking Coleman. I rather have someone separate. I rather draft the guy like Worthy personally, but. 
that's just my thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's going to be a lot of different guys that we we get into. And Coleman, he again, he was mocked by Ben Solak. Not my favorite idea. I'm Brandon Rice. Strengths, I'm the draft network right here. Hands, ball skills, you know, important things for receivers. Uh, concerns, lateral agility, physicality. Son of Jerry Rice. You've got that going for you. Yeah. I think the thing that's going to concern me the most about Coleman is that the last two years, the guy that was talked about as not a separator has been the guy that's been the worst. Traylon Burks and, and Quentin Johnston. It's going to scare me off a little bit. Brandon Rice more of a second-round pick, though, isn't he? Um, At this point, no. I don't even know where I've seen him mocked. I've heard about him a bunch. Day two. Yeah. Day two. Day two. Can't be too mad if they, if they draft Jerry Rice's son, you know, in the second round. I, you know, you got to be happy with that, I think. <laughs> How about Marvin Harrison's and Jerry Rice's sons both in the draft? Oh, man. Pull that off. Just all the all the kids. Seven, oh, 69 days from today. There is, I, I tweeted out a, a link to Jarrett Bailey, who does uh, A to Z, NFL writer for USA Today, A to Z Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one that suggests the Bills should trade for Ayuk. I just don't, I just don't know how you make it work. I don't know how you do it. Well, the way you do it is he's cheap now. You sign him to a big extension. Like, hey, we're going to cut ties with Diggs soon enough. You will be the, the next version of that. And here's $100 million. You'll be our high-priced receiver. You're going to play with Josh Allen. That's, that's what you try to do. He is great. He is, re- he is going to get the digs to Buffalo pop if he gets traded anywhere with a good quarterback. He is ready to break out and be the, that top-tier receiver. Good on, on, the yeah. good on the good side of this, I mentioned he has the number one Yards per target in the NFL for guys over 50, catch, 50 targets. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's over 50 catches. Let me pull it up. Uh, he is below Shakir for that. Oh, right. Yeah. Shakir. Shakir's way up there Shakir's in yards way per up there. So Because yeah. he caught everything, and he had the one giant jet play that inflated it, too. Yeah. But he's good. Put up good numbers. Yeah. 105 targets. Ayuk is ready. for Get him in an offense with 130, 140, 150 targets. Thanks for the phone call. Brendan Rice. Who's the next wide receiver's son? Is there another one coming out? Aronde Gadsden. There you go. He's going back to Syracuse. Well, let's think. Guys that retired, like, what? What do you want? Well, Jerry Rice's son. I mean, that's... Jerry Rice retired in 2005, actually, I think. You want guys that retired, like, 10, 15 years ago. So, like, T.O. Or Reggie Wayne. <laughs> Reggie Wayne Jr. Going to be coming through, say, I'm sure, at some I, point I, soon. I don't know who's actually in college for, for no, this. I don't probably, there's probably a good list. Frank Gore Jr., I think, right? He's in this draft, or maybe he's coming into the next draft. Um, but I know he's got a son that's coming through. That's running back. But eight oh three oh five fifty. If you want to join us, give us a call if you'd like. When we get back, there's a good clip. My wife wanted me to play this. You'll, I think you will appreciate this. This is more you than me. Okay, from the Kelsey podcast, the New Heights okay. podcast. Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. I do think Jason Kelsey is a future star. He's the cooler Kelsey. I mean. Come on. Enough already with Jason Kelsey. He's the way cooler Kelsey. He's The guy wore... Like I, I think a, it's going to wear off. He no. wore a luchador mask for the Chiefs Super Bowl did you, for, did like, you, did you see at he, the after party. He interrupted an Adele concert in Philadelphia because he like this happened a couple weeks ago or maybe even last week. He 
was, I guess, you know, I mean, he's he's you know he's going around and he's jump jumping through tables or wanting to, and he's having a drink or two, and he like interrupted an Adele concert. Just did it. Like I, he's getting full of himself, this Jason Kelsey. Well, I think he's got to settle down. He's got he's got to take a chill. Point. I still think this clip we're gonna play is right up your alley. Okay, you change right. your tune on Jason Kelsey in five minutes. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.